Oh. Mm. I feel strange. Dizzy. <clears throat> what was in that drink you gave me? Organic berries, vodka, hallucinogenic herbs. You're listening to Movie Things with Lindsay and Gary. Season 5, episode number 3. Welcome to another episode. In today's show, we're going to be talking all about a film that I've picked out for your Halloween watch lists. I've gone with 2016's retro, colour-soaked fantasy horror dramedy, The Love Witch. What a build-up. I know, it's got a lot going on. (laughs) Directed by Anna Biller. Normally here I'd list what the director had also made, but I think what's more important here is to list just what Anna Biller done on this film. One, which is one woman powerhouse. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much everything from writing to directing to costumes to sets. And you were telling me even rug design. Yeah. She's got it all. And I feel like this film is really like a one woman CV. So do you want to do a spoiler alert and then we'll get an A why you picked The Love Witch? Sure. So we're going to be talking about this film in a lot of detail. We're going to be revealing major plot points. If you haven't seen The Love Witch and don't want it spoiled for you, we would suggest that you go off and watch it and then come back and join us for the chat. That being said, if you're happy for us just to talk about it, regardless of whether you've seen it or not, that's cool too. Grab some snacks, settle on in and let's get started. What's your snack? I'm going to pick an elaborate sandwich and there is a reason for that and that will come on to later as we're talking. So why did you pick The Love Witch? So being the spookiest time of year I really wanted to choose a film about witches. That was my my main driver and I think you know everyone will agree there's several options and lots of excellent witch movies out there. There isn't anything quite like The Love Witch and I'm hopeful that we can encourage a few people to go and check it out. I think that's a great way to sum it up. There genuinely isn't anything and certainly not anything recent about this film. Right from the the intro, it gives you really strong sort of 60s, 70s horror vibes but it's not really a horror film. Yeah, there are a lot of horror themes in it and there even is like some gore in it as well. I'm a massive fan of B-movies and 1960s fashion and beauty looks and this film has all that in spades, which I guess we'll get into as we discuss the detail of the film. It's really hard to pin a genre on it for me. I think you've done a pretty good job at the start, to be honest. There's definitely elements of horror. There's wee bits of comedy. There's drama in there. There's like soap in there, I think. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't fit neatly in any one place. Which is why I wanted to bring it to the table <laughs> and share it with our lovely listeners. So the film centres around Elaine, who explains in the opening scene that she's recently been reborn as a witch and she's moving to a new town with one objective, to attract a man who will love her. She's driving her beautiful red convertible into town and her voiceover is, is explaining... I'm starting a new life where no one knows me. kind of gives me psycho vibes at that point. Like, she's driving the classic car, she's narrating kind of what the purpose is. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's maybe an influence for this wee bit. Not so much stylistically, but just that sort of, like, she's getting out of town. 
Yeah, and you kind of start to wonder why. Why does she want to go for a fresh start and start a new life? And this is where like I pick up one of the things that the main thing I think about when I think about the film The Love Witch is the colour red. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that comes from basically the car. And then when she arrives at her destination, she's basically head to toe in the colour red. Yeah, her dress is red, her shoes are red, her suitcases are red, her handbag's red, her <laughs> lipstick's red. <laughs> it's funny, it's like, I always think of it um, in relation to the Hammer films, it's like a trick that they used in the classic Hammer films, and I think they'd done it then because audiences were so used to black and white film that red was really, really striking to them. But I think they just use it here to make Elaine totally stand out from her surroundings mm-hmm. and from the other characters that she meets early on. Yeah, and she comes across really powerful as well. There's so many themes in this film, witchcraft and magic, feminism, revenge, relationships, but it's also, like you say, the aesthetics and the clear nod to the influences that makes this film. In our last episode, we covered Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which features an iconic house. And I don't think we could talk about The Love Witch without also mentioning the iconic house location in this film as well, which is Bear Stokes' house, a striking purple and black Victorian house and a Californian landmark. And the perfect location for a witch to set up home. Yeah, I don't think (laughs) you would stay in there if you were trying to keep a low profile (laughs) from the community. And the inside is decorated as nicely as the outside. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) One of my favourite parts of Elaine's decor is the giant portrait of herself above the mantelpiece. Feels like the place is decorated for her before she even gets there. Yeah. It's just fate just perfect. (laughs) So Elaine befriends a woman called Trish and they go to another very over-the-top location which is a a Victorian style tea room. Even in the first couple of scenes we're treated to some amazing but outrageous fashion and interior design and Anne Biller made sure that all of the clothes were either original vintage or she handmade them herself using vintage patterns. I read somewhere that the only new pieces in the film were underwear. Everything else was original vintage. It's quite an intense afternoon tea they go for, isn't it? Yeah. And it's funny because the colour of the film completely shifts at this point. It goes from all primaries to pink and like everything. It's very frilly <laughs> and feminine and there's flowers everywhere and harp players. And, and Elaine knows this before she goes and manages to fit in perfectly. She manages to dress just perfectly appropriately for the occasion (laughs) but still manages to be the most striking person in the room and this is quite an interesting scene because I guess this is where it kind of sets up what the rest of the film is going to be about this is where she kind of explains her motive Mm -hmm. and her direction and why she's here she's basically going to use a mix of like witchcraft and kind of 60s relationship self-help guides for women yeah and that's how she's going to get a man have to give a man his fantasy. <laughs> his fantasy? Yes, his fantasy. What I'm really interested in is love. You might say I'm addicted to love. I wonder if all women feel that way. So she returns home and creates a love spell. To help attract men and this sequence like so many others in the film is really long it's quite dreamlike and it's very romantically shot and yeah it's 
safe to say that our main character is a far cry from the evil hags that an audience would normally expect from witches. <laughs> she's very, very stylish, very glamorous. She's mixing up her potions and her gorgeous apartment and it definitely romanticises the notion of being a witch. She's almost the one exception to that rule in this film because when we were watching this, what struck me and what always disappoints me in these films is the occultists or the satanists or like it's white witches in, in this film. I always want them to be super cool and they never are. <laughs> <laughs> they always look like the kind of folk that would run like a community group. <laughs> I just want them to be way cooler. And she ticks that box, but her coven don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another striking thing about this film is that there's many, many, many eye close-ups in this film, especially of Elaine's Bridget Bardot-inspired eye makeup. It seems to be that's when she's literally bewitching people and putting them under <laughs> her spell as making this really intense eye contact like the, with them. It's the Bella Lugosi eyes, isn't it? Is it is like the Bella Lugosi <laughs> eye. But I think, I think it's interesting that you call that out because there's lots of interesting shots and frames and things in this mm -hmm. film and I think a lot of it, people particularly, are kind of lit and framed to appear a wee bit otherworldly. It's yeah. all quite dreamlike. And I think that juxtaposed with a lot of the dialogue in the films quite awkward and quite stunted. And that's what yeah. those two things together is why I was saying at the start that for me, there's a heavy dose of like soap opera yeah. in here. And I think it's those two things. It's got that kind of Vaseline sheen mm -hmm. on the camera. It feels like a dream sequence. And the dialogue's all a bit like is that really what they just said? And it's delivered in a, a very particular way. So, yeah, it gives me heavy soap opera vibes. Yeah, the acting is very similar to 1960s Technicolor, Exploitation, Italian Horror and Hammer <laughs> films. It's super camp and it almost leans into that wooden delivery in parts as well. So it's about this time she meets her first love match. Yes. So, first of all, there's Wayne who Elaine convinces to take her to his cabin in the woods and it doesn't take long before things start going wrong and Elaine has to get rid of a body <laughs> of, of Wayne who, who's been utterly bewitched by her. That's a nice way to put that. She basically poisoned him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, quite a, it's quite a funny scene. This is where the film probably peaks for me is like the intro through the afternoon tea and into this sort of first... Romantic dalliance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the right way to put it. It's, it's really funny. Dalliance. And I think the way that she interacts with this guy called Wayne is, is really good. So he's a college lecturer and she basically just accosts him in the park. He's mm -hmm. having a coffee with another woman and she's like, um, do you she, want uses just, she uses the eyes. She uses the eyes, yeah. And then they get in his car and away to a cabin they go and they're in love before they even get there. It's, it's pretty amazing. That potion works. <laughs> so he basically, when he's poisoned, just starts unloading years and years of trauma on her, I think. And she's over the top understanding of all these issues. She's saying, oh, Wayne, I love you. But then she gets bored of him, like, immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's really, really funny. And then it's within hours that she's basically burying his body. Yeah. So you've went through, like, a full relationship cycle in about 12 hours. Yeah. And it's the deadpan <laughs> delivery. Elaine delivers stellar quotes in this film but they're all in a really deadpan way. So so one of the, the ones in this part of the film is, 
I don't really mind death. I've buried people before. <laughs> I was going to ask if you had a favourite quote from the film. Is that it? Probably my, my favourite quote in the film is when Elaine goes after Trisha's husband, Richard, and he asks her, who are you? And she says, I'm the love witch. I'm your ultimate fantasy. <laughs> Which is just so camp. It's very apt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favourite quote is I didn't know this town was hostile to witches Which again is delivered completely seriously Seriously But it's really funny But I think it's that dry delivery of the dialogues That one of my favourite things about the film in general and Yeah, it works definitely. really well when delivering lines like that Yeah So then after she gets rid of Wayne Elaine goes after Trisha's husband Richard with her trademark potion and in this case a comedy sized glass of, glass of wine and that's the point where yeah, when she's seducing him she tells him I'm the love witch I'm your ultimate fantasy which is just a brilliant moment in the film It's funny because we're quite far in by this point in terms of the film and the story and it's still really hard to pin down when <laughs> this takes place Yeah, I think it jumps about quite a lot in terms of the tone and the era. So obviously you've got all those primary colours, you've got a wee bit of a psycho influence, some early horror stuff, and then really quickly you're in that pink afternoon tea mm -hmm. and then you're away to a cabin in the woods where Wayne meets his untimely end. And now we've moved on again and at this point we've seen classic cars, probably 50s, 60s and 70s style and themes mm -hmm. and ideas and, and dialogue even. But there's also people cutting about with mobile phones and modern cars. So yeah. it's really hard to place. So I do have a view on this. I think when it's set, it's quite ambiguous because, like you see, from the main style and the cultural references, you assume it's set in the 60s. But then when you see like modern hybrid cars in the background of car parks and um, people's mobile phones, you kind of wonder if that's deliberate or not. I think these are the kind of continuity errors that you'd see in an old Beeb movie, which comes off quite tongue-in-cheek. And as the audience, you start to feel in on the joke a wee bit, like they've just forgot to take those out. As well as the hyper-stylised moments in this film, The Love Witch also features loads of sober moments of witchcraft and rituals as well, which are reasonably graphic and contrast quite heavily with all this really colour-saturated super retro uh, dreamy like parts of it as well and Elaine meets regularly with the rest of the witch community who tend to hold a lot of their team meetings in the local burlesque club because why would you not? <laughs> I have a question for you. Okay. If you could cast one spell, no repercussions, what would it be? I mean I guess I know that you'll love me forever so that's a sure thing so maybe something good for humanity. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something to break the curse. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question for you. What is your favourite film about witches? I think Witchfinder General. Oh, that is a good one. That's an amazing That's film. That's a terrifying but it's film. It's also horrifically dark and probably couldn't be further from the tone of the love witch if you tried. Yeah, that's true. The only thing the two films have in common is the word witch in the title, yeah. I think. But yeah, that would be my pick. I love that. It's a Vincent Price classic. Yeah, I feel like you would have probably stayed up and watched that as a bit of a palate cleanser after <laughs> The Love Witch. It's more in keeping with my vibe. <laughs> <laughs> the film exists in a space where witches are out in the open and non-witches know who they are. I wouldn't say that they coexist completely peacefully, but they 
they do seem to coexist, which is quite an interesting feature in the film. Are you ready for me to drop my facto for this episode? I'm ready for you to cast that spell. <laughs> Thank you. You couldn't have wrote that intro better if you tried. Today's <laughs> facto is about witchcraft in Scotland. Nice. I like yeah. that you're really trying to tie this back to like Scottish like occult history. I know, I don't want to set it up too heavy. I don't want to make any promises in case next week I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was hoping I could maybe make it through the rest of the season, hark back to Scotland and my factos and then claim credit at the end. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you know that between the 16th and 18th century, up to 6,000 people were accused and tried for witchcraft in Scotland? I knew it was a high number, but... I didn't know the exact figure. That's a lot. I think that's a crazy number, especially for like a wee country that had a population about 25% that of England, but three times as many accused witches. The preferred method of securing a confession in Scotland was called pricking. I think you'd better elaborate <laughs> quickly. A practice that saw the skin of the accused poked with pins and needles in the belief that they were unable to feel pain due to their possession of the devil's mark. What if they just had a high pain threshold? <laughs> the men who carried out this torture were known as professional prickers. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm not even going there, that joke writes itself, doesn't it? I'll just leave <laughs> it that sure there. It sure does. If the pricking failed... <laughs> Go on. The witch would be kept awake for days on end before finally recounting their wild hallucinations that were, and you can form your own view from this one, either concrete evidence of witchcraft or the result of extreme sleep deprivation. Three quarters of those accused of witchcraft in Scotland were women and to the end of this period of what was essentially mass hysteria, they reckon more than one and a half thousand people were executed. The last one taking place in 1706. Wow. Amazing, eh? I love hearing stuff about, you know, Scotland's history with witchcraft, and th that was an excellent facto. It just seems like a crazy amount for such a wee place. I feel like anyone that's ever visited Scotland would probably not find that too far-fetched. It's got a bit of a witchy feeling at places. Yeah. The funny thing is, the majority of it actually took place in what at that point was known as the Lowlands, so like central Scotland. Mm -hmm. You'd think a lot of that would be rural. Mm -hmm. Bizarre, but rife. <laughs> <laughs> So we were talking about continuity errors and, you know, the film being quite tongue-in-cheek and I think it's those elements that either make you love this film even more or you'll just find it off-putting. It's a bit like the TV series Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which did an amazing parody of horror and British TV drama really well. And I feel like when that first came out, some people were like, yeah, I see what you're doing, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, knowing what it was inspired by and totally loved it. But I've also spoke to plenty of other people who didn't like it, didn't get it, didn't see the point of it and just thought it was a lot of rubbish. And I think this film isn't for everyone. It's a bit weird, it's very kitsch, and it's full of really strange shots and sequences. And that's not everyone's bag, which I totally accept. And yet, and yet, I do, I do love it. It's an interesting one for me, because I think you mentioned earlier the scene at the Burlesque Club, which is where the witches' coven tend to meet up. In my head, having seen this film before, that happens really late on and towards the end of the film, but it doesn't. It's pretty early, yeah. actually. And I think the 
problem for me is this film's pretty long. It's a full two hours. And I think it starts to go downhill about that point for me. Once I've gotten used to how nice it looks and how much that and the humour appeals to me, mm-hmm. there's not a great deal of story around at that point to yeah. keep me hanging on for another full maybe hour and 20 minutes at that point. Yeah. So my first criticism, and one of my only criticisms, I guess, is this film's very, very long. Yeah, I agree. My criticism of it is that it's just a bit too long for what it is, for my taste. There's an entire scene in which Elaine and her latest beau come across a renaissance fair slash midsummer celebration and it feels like it's been shot in real time. It could 100% be taken out and not make a ounce of difference in my opinion to this film and there's also a bit where a guy orders a sandwich and the level of detail that goes into it is just way too much but it also makes me think to be fair you do get that in a lot of 1960s exploitation films where whole sequences and whole conversations just feel completely unnecessary it's like an Ed Wood film like in that way where there's just whole bits in it where you just wonder like what's the what's the point of this yeah and I think you wondering what's the point of this is probably the point of this. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the easiest way to sum it up because that midsummer scene's really interesting because it doesn't need to be there. But actually, in a way, and I missed it the first time we watched it, it's actually quite a cool plot point, but it just doesn't land very well for some reason. But that's her friends as the witches coven that are there and it's basically so that she can marry this guy. Yeah. And I th- I didn't get that the first time. In my head it was just a random thing that they stumbled upon on a date, but it's not. She set it up so that they and I didn't pick that up and I think maybe that's my fault, but maybe it just doesn't execute particularly well. And I think it's because by the point we get there my attention's waned a wee bit because, yeah. like I say, we're really starting to, to push on the running time. And I think I love this kind of kitschy retro vibe that's happening all the way through the film. I love when other series do it. I really enjoyed Garth Marenghi that you mentioned. And I think there's episodes of things like Inside Number 9 that hit kind of the same tone. Yeah. But they're all half an hour episodes. Yeah. And I think that's maybe where The Love Witch starts to struggle just a wee bit. At no point does the quality drop in terms of the visuals. Mm-hmm. And like the, the scenes are all painstakingly crafted. Because that midsummer scene looks great. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. And it could, like you say, be completely lifted out the story without actually losing any substance yeah i like the fact that there's inane dialogue that kind of drifts on for ages and it's almost like the director didn't know where to cut mm-hmm. because that's what she does happen. know where to cut but yeah. the films that influenced this didn't and exactly. that's what i like so I, it really appeals to me in that way but i can't honestly say that i don't start to drift no i think that's fair So after what has become a string of murders, (laughs) the cops eventually catch up with Elaine, who claims that all that's happened here is that our love spells were too powerful and sadly got out of control, claiming they loved me too much. And that's all that's really happened here. To be fair. (laughs) (laughs) She's not wrong. And I don't think a love spell could be considered illegal. Poisoning, on the other hand... (laughs) so you say there was a homicide how horrible who was killed a man named wayne peters did you know wayne peters no here's a picture of him ever seen him before no 
guess I can't help you, Sergeant. Goodbye. So before we wrap this up, I think it would be remiss of me not to ask, do you have a favourite outfit in the movie? I mean, the wardrobe in The Love Witch is an absolute treat. As I, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, every outfit is either original vintage or it's been painstakingly handmade from original vintage patterns to keep that real authentic feel to it. I would say that if I had to pick a favourite outfit, it would be that second scene um, when they first go to the tea room for, for afternoon tea when she's just wearing this peach and pink frilly over-the-top outfit with a giant hat. Like, she looks like she's going to the most exclusive wedding ever. And <laughs> I fully subscribe in life to feeling perpetually overdressed for everything. So I feel like I can strongly relate to that character. <laughs> but I would also say that I do really, really love the makeup in the film. The makeup looks are, are probably one of my favourite things. I think it's probably because of those close-ups of, of her eyes all the way through it. And if I was having that good an eyeliner day, I would want close-ups on me all the time as well. She's got you. She's <laughs> enchanted you with those eyes. <laughs> so, what would you rate The Love Witch? If I hadn't spent my teen years and into my 20s so saturated in 1960s technicolour features like Beyond the Valley of the Dolls and daft pulp films and old horror films I think I'd only be able to appreciate The Love Witch on a purely visual level because it is stunning, it's such a lush film saturated with colour, gorgeous costumes and lovely designs but because I am familiar with what influences this film I just feel like there's some extra delight there it's camp and it's gory and at times it feels completely ridiculous which tells me that it's got it absolutely spot on it feels like a Hammer film mixed with 1960s Italian Gothic horror films like Black Sunday or The Long Hair of Death. And it's very different. It's a very different, insanely colourful depiction of a witch, which I really, really like. It's a great watch and I do think it's one of the most unique indie horrors to come out in the last 10 years and as I've made really clear I could look at close-ups of Samantha Robinson's eye makeup all day so maybe the love witch really does have me under her spell. <laughs> For me it's a magical 7 out of 10. How about you? So I've given this a 7 out of 10 as well. Is this our next match of the of the season I know and it's funny because I mulled this one over for ages I mulled the rating over for ages and then landed on the most generic rating possible <laughs> there's elements I really 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 enjoy about this film I think the characters are great I really like that otherworldly quality that we talked about I love the mix of the classic cars and the modern technology because to me it makes it feel like it exists on its own plane mm -hmm. and that really appeals to me I like the idea that our timelines don't matter because this one just exists in its own. In its own universe. And I love that. Yeah. That really, that really, really appeals to me. It obviously uses colour and saturation in a really visually appealing way. And right through the first encounter and death, I'm 100% all in. The appeal kind of tails off a wee bit for me about 40 minutes in. And although I'm still really enjoying the visuals and the soundtrack, and I think the attention to detail on the part of Annabella is amazing. I think I probably just need a wee bit more because it's around that time that I can feel myself just like slightly reaching for my phone because I'm getting a wee bit bored. 
and that's happened both times I've watched the movie so that's my only criticism I guess is that I think it's a bit long and it loses its way a wee bit and it kind of just repeats its cycle three times rather than throwing anything new yeah. at you but visually I could watch this all day yeah so Same. seven out of ten nice how can people get in touch with us on social media you can hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at MovieThingsPod. And if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, that would be much appreciated. And we do appreciate every review, every listen, every like, and every time you tell your pals. So that's our show for this week. And next week, we will be going back to A Choice from Gary. A choice yet to be made. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in. It will be a surprise for us all. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.